Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community, right? Little little trick when you're on stage and you get verklempt, uh, just go to go to something repetitious that you know you can spit out, right? Um, but actually, I wanted to share that. We say that all the time, and I wanted us to talk about it this morning a little bit. And uh, without going into the pieces too much, I want to make sure you get the beginning of it, the Christ-centered piece. Uh, because for me, more than anything, he's why we're here. And so I want to get into that this morning and share maybe one of the most famous verses, passages, uh, Jesus and his interaction with uh, the disciples and Peter. Um, it's where we get our name. And then I want to talk about it a little bit. So let's pray and see if that helps. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, thank you for privilege, Lord, that being with you is not a gamble. That it does take faith and there is mystery and questions loom. But you are alive and well. And you have fulfilled your promise and continue to fulfill your promise that you will build your church. And I thank you for what we've been able to experience in that. I thank you for what I have been able to experience in that. I pray it is as great an experience as possible for all who come. I pray this morning, Lord, that uh, you would give us a day of celebration, a day that honors and glorifies you and your son, and we trust your spirit will lead us through it. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Uh, Rock Bible Church, uh, we could have named it a lot of things, right? Tri-Valley, Church of the Congregation, or I don't know. Could have had some trendy name like The River, you know. Um, but we came up with Rock Bible Church, and uh, I am not going to make it through the morning or the day. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine and I went to... Uh, church conference. Um, I was <clears throat> working in Little Rock, Arkansas at a church, and um, their conference came up, and so my buddy Gino Cunningham and I uh, flew to Seattle and went to this conference, and we were we had a great time. It was about church leadership, and they had all kinds of seminars and things, and way too many handouts, and then you came home with a bag of mostly stuff you're going to throw away, and maybe three good nuggets of things you'll hold on to, and we were sitting in uh, in SeaTac Airport in in a little bench area, and and we made one of the biggest mistakes of our life, or one of the greatest mistakes of our life. Uh, we asked a question: What if? What if we had a church? And uh, Jan and I, Jan Ash and I, used to joke all all the time. Uh, with Kristen Ambrose and a few others, we'd say, well, you know, when we get our own church, and when we're working at another church, we'd say, well, you know, we don't like how something's going. You know, when we get our own church. And Gina and I just started talking about it. And we were sitting there like, what would we name it? 
And we had this, I don't know, 45-minute hour discussion. We had a lot of time to kill till the flight left. And um, we came across Rock Bible Church. Um, the website and all the email stuff that you guys get, whatever, you know why that, why we have that? Because Gino, that sucker, he landed, got home, went online, and reserved the URL, rockbiblechurch.com, that day after that, even though we had no plans. Didn't tell me uh, till like a long time later, years plus later. Uh, and then I said, hey, I, I, think, I think we might take a shot at this. Oh, well, I got the URL. What? What? Yeah, Rock Bible Church. And we um, came up with this name uh, in many, many ways. One, we called it a church, uh, and we'll get to that in a second, because in modern culture, church is starting to lose its meaning. There's no way I was going to call it something like the river and leave the word church out of it. Um, and all respect to any churches that have a name that don't have church in it, and you've got your demographic and what you're purposing to do, and we support you. Amen. They're not against us, they're for us. Um, but we were going to have church in the name, and we wanted to be biblically based, and we saw too many churches with topical messages, and he and I actually took a youth group to a Christian event where the guy that spoke never mentioned a verse. And we had just got a little bit confrontational about we're going to get Bible in the name. We've always joked, uh, Bible's our middle name because uh, we're biblically based and it's how we hear from the Lord. Uh, and then Rock. And Rock came uh, in a bunch of different ways. There's the great story of the man who built his house on the rock, which I would say is probably the second most important passage in Rock Bible Church is uh, DNA. Um, but I want to introduce you to, if you haven't had it before, or just reintroduce you to and remind you of Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. This is Jesus, and, and he's, he's with his disciples, and he has a conversation, and it is brilliant. There is no possible way we could cover all of it this morning, and really I'm going to look at it from kind of a little bit of a devotional perspective based on this is our 11-year anniversary of a church, and why are we here, and why do we exist, and why are churches important, and what does Jesus have to say about it? And I think we get some of the greatest statements directly from his mouth. If you've got one of those Bibles where they change the color of the, of the text, when the big guy's speaking, there's a bunch of red letters in this, in this one, okay? It doesn't really work on a screen at church, so we don't do that, but... Um, we love the red letters, amen? Uh, Jesus is having a great interaction with his disciples, and he's teaching them, and he comes to this area of Caesarea Philippi, probably because Peter's uh, mom lived there and believed that Peter would or Jesus would stay there when they were in town. and So they would go to Caesarea Philippi all the time. Um, and he asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It's a little conversation starter. Little little light jabber. Um, they're in an average town for that area, and this is kind of a safe average question. 
who do people? Is that, is that direct? Is that challenging? That's kind of, hey, uh, what are you hearing on the street? Right? Not asking them about them, asking them about, hey, what's kind of said out there about Son of Man? Pretty safe topic in Jewish culture. It's a known person that's supposed to show up at some point. This is really a Messiah question. Um, and so it's a, it's a safe question. And verse 14 they said to him, they answered, well, some say John the Baptist. You know, this, the guy that just came through, he had quite the following. Uh, historians would say, in some ways, he may have had more of a following than Christ himself. Uh, because they wanted to go see this weird thing that was out in the wilderness, and it drew crowds. It was like a really good concert that you go see once, right? Um, where Jesus was a little more confrontational, some people kept their distance. Um, so some people might have thought, well, son of man, it might have been John the Baptist and we missed it. Or others say Elijah. You remember Elijah fought the 450 prophets of Baal? Great story. Um, some of the greatest smack talk in Bible history. If, if, like, if you really read it and if you're in it, if you're, if, I don't, if, well, this is going to come out right. If you're a dude and you like confrontation and you're like from public school, it's a, it's a great story. <laughs> Right now, I've never been a lady, so I don't know from that perspective. But I would imagine you can enjoy it as much, or probably more, right? Because you're a little more objective than this guy sometimes. But Elijah, he he put on such a show. Not just what he said and what he did, but the displays of power, and it was obvious that God showed up. Were some of the things that Elijah did. So now we have a man and we have some acts of God with that. I don't know. Others say Jeremiah might have been the prophet of, of uh, when we, we were um, we were imprisoned. We were uh, another country. What, we were exile. Thank you. Sorry. Um, this great, great 50 something chapters. I mean, just amazing things of hope in desperation that we're going to come back to the promised land and now they're back in the promised land and maybe he was son of man maybe he did he delivered us that was a delivering that was a saving that might have been messiah-ish kind of thing and so there's a lot of questions a lot of good debate good reasons or one of the prophets i mean who knows if we missed it it could have been one of those three it could have been many of the others And then Jesus um, flips the script on him a little. He says to him, verse 15, he said to him, but who do you, ooh, what just happened? Who do you say? We just went from third person to second person, right? Now, for those of you who don't like English, the rest of us need to explain what just happened. When you go from third person to second person, it just became personal. It's direct. Some might say confrontational. Some might say they're taking initiative. There's positive ways of our engaging, connecting. Who do you say that, what's that last phrase? Who do you say that I am? I thought we were talking about son of man. Isn't that the first question? Verse 13, who do people say the son of man is? He switches, he flips both things from not just people, but what do you say? And not just son of man, but guess who he is? 
Elijah, cute guess. John the Baptist, not even close. Jeremiah, eh, he came up pretty short. Who's he saying son of man is? I mean, are those the same question? Because if those are the same question, there's amazing truth in it. And I think he had the disciples on their heels. What's happening right now? Are, is this good? Or are we in trouble? Or should we have answered the question better? Or what is he doing with this questioning? He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And here, verse 16, Simon Peter replied, which is totally kind of off, incorrect, should say Simon replied, but our writer, Matthew, puts Simon Peter on purpose because of what's about to happen and wants to make sure that we don't get confused between Simon and Peter. So Simon Peter replied, he speaks up. I love Peter, right? Why, why do I like Peter? Is it the same way you, reason you like Peter? Why do we like Peter? He has a foot and he inserts it regularly where? In his mouth, right? If somebody says, hey, who wants to volunteer for this thing where you're gonna get hurt? Peter's like, oh, me, I'll jump out of the boat. Oh, we're going to fight? I'll grab a sword. In fact, I'll take someone else's sword and use it against him. He, he stands up and he, he acts. He says, you are the Christ. Any ambiguity in that statement? Say no. He's saying this thought of Messiah, this prophecy of some deliverer, a suzerain, you're really into the Hebrew stuff. Um, that's the Christ. It doesn't say a Christ. The Christ. Definite article in front of the noun. You have to be a little bit language nerd to get through seminary. And then he qualifies it. Not just you are the Christ, but the son of the living God. Now, the other disciples are standing there going, I'm glad Peter answered it. Or, here, hold on, let me step over here just in case he gets it wrong, right? What a great testimony, admission, statement of faith. We call it fact. Or one of my favorites is truth. I think it's so poignant in our day and age where we have lost truth as a culture. To remember that we as Christians lost nothing. We know truth. It's with us. We have a God who's active, not done yet. And in the end, he's winning. Yeah, we're bandwagoning. We, we jumped the bandwagon. We're going, we're going on the winning team, right? Not just, well, my town didn't work out, so I'm going to just move to Vegas. No, that's not us, right? Go Bears. Bears are playing in Vegas today. That was a Raider reference, and shout out to my homie Larry. Um, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a great statement of faith. And here Jesus answers, verse 17, he says to him, uh, blessed are you. Good answer. That's kind of what that means, right? Good answer. Blessed are you. Simon Barjona. I thought it was Simon Peter. You see, now Matthew's quoting Jesus. He can't take liberty with what was said. When he's writing, he can say, well, Simon Peter replied. But when Jesus is speaking and he has to quote it, he says, Simon Barjona is what Jesus said. Blessed are you, son of Jonah, Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You're good, but you're not that good that you could figure this out on your own. But my Father who is in heaven. Father is in heaven reveals things, amen? Thank you, Lord, for 12 years ago revealing that we should do this. And I tell you, verse 18, Jesus is still speaking to Simon Barjona, but he says this, he says, I tell you, you are Petros, you're Peter. Now, what, what do we get from Petros? That's the Hebrew, or, or excuse me, Greek, right? What did, we, what did we get from Petros right there? Any, any guesses? We get Peter. We get Peter. That's what we get from it. It was a trick question, I know. Okay, and Jan, you're going to be right in a second. Hold that answer because I'm calling on you in a second, okay? But all of a sudden, he's not calling him Simon Barjona anymore. He's calling him Peter, Petros. And on this Petra, what's Petra mean? Jan, any thoughts? Rock, it means rock. That's what we get, rock, okay? It's kind of similar to Espanol. Piedra is rock, and it's kind of similar, right? But they spell them differently, even in Spanish. Piedra and Pedro. Rock and Peter are different in Spanish. They're different in Greek, right? They're also different in English when you translate from Greek. And here's the thing. What's just happened? Is Jesus being punny? He's punny. I love him a little bit more because then I have an excuse to be punny as well, right? He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to call you Peter from now on. Why? Because I'm going to use the rock of your confession, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. I mean, you're good, but you're not that good. We're not going to build it on Petras. We're going to build it on Petra. Really should be saying Petros. Um, we're not going to build it on Petros. We're going to build it on Petra because your confession of you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God, that's what we're going to build our church, my church on. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ooh, good guys win. I like those movies. Uh, we were somewhere recently and a scary movie trailer came on and somebody said, ooh, that's going to be awesome. Let's go see it. I said, no, no, I only like happy endings, right? And if it's not a happy ending, I'm not going. Uh, if Jesus is losing, uh, I'm out. I'm going to go work at Costco and drive the um, forklift. That's my next job, by the way. Uh, but he makes this promise Evil's going to lose, good's going to win, 
And, and then it doesn't stop there. He says, I'm going to build my church. And then verse 19, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What? We get to go to Disneyland? We get the keys? We get, we get into the park? What does that mean? He says, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Do, do we just get access and authority? To what? I don't know. It's very vague. It just says what you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Which I think is the only time you can ever find that word said like that anywhere. God's given us, given just Peter? Or is it the church? Is it us? We have access to the kingdom. We have some authority. We could pray and things can happen. We can gather, do the public reading of scripture, the laying on of hands, the serving, the tithing, the helping, the meditating, the fasting. Anybody else got any more for me? Silence, that's a discipline too. Very good. You guys are amazing. I'm going to tell second service that they need to be more like you. Um, we can have access to all those things and have authority. We can have an effect. How great is that? We just made the team. I think all of faith is a sports analogy. I mean, most of you know that already. Um, but may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? All right. Uh, indulge me. I'm going to have a little fun here. Five blanks. I know we usually do three, but it's 11sies, folks. We got to have a little fun, okay? Um, I want to draw attention to this phrase, I will build my church. Uh, that's the big statement that he makes, right? He asks Peter and the disciples, who do people say that Son of Man is? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not real, but you are Petros now. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, you understand where we got the word rock now? <laughs> Jesus used it about the confession about who he is. And I want to go through a couple things here. And I, the first thing I want you to see in that phrase, I will build my church from verse 18, is I. Jesus says, I. He doesn't say God. He doesn't say the Spirit. He doesn't say um, the next group of good elders. It doesn't say a group of people who get everything politically correctly and organized and great leadership. It, he says, I will build my church. I love the fact that he changes from the first question to the second question and says, Son of man, that's me. It's really given a hint. It was kind of not fair. I mean, it wasn't a real question. He was giving him a hint. It was kind of like cheating, implying the answer when he asked the second question. Like, who, who do you say that I am? I would just ask you about the Son of Man. So Son of Man would be a great response. Peter goes even farther and says, oh, I get the game we're playing. And I'm all in. I'm horrible at this game, but I think I got this one right. Okay. Jesus asked a question at church, and Peter knew the answer. I love that. 
my question for you is, who is he to you? I think we're still here because we've had enough people who knew who I was, the great I am. The son of God died on the cross, went there, shamed, poked, prodded, scorned, mocked, and he says, I can handle all sin. I'll do you one better. I can handle all death. I can come back. I can do anything I want. I love, and, and I hope you take this the right way, right? Because I'm, I'm going to gamble here a little bit. I love to think of Jesus. Oh, okay, I got to. I love to think of Jesus as somebody who just says, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Right? He, he was showing off. He does it after he says this. This phrase, this conversation with the disciples happens days and days, maybe more go by, and he says, Watch me now. Bam, before the courts, carrying a cross, whipped, uh, cat to nine tails, is that what it's called, right? Where they just tore up his back, the whole thing, scourged, thank you. Uh, and, and, and he comes out of it unscathed? I, I wonder if we recognize that the cross can take us much farther than the cross. See, when he did the cross, when he did all that and, and resurrected and then ascended to the right hand of the Father, there's a big piece of that that should be forcing us to reflect back on, now wait, what did he say before that? Wait, he did communion and he said a few things there. And man, we, we, we were out on the boat and he said he commands the waves and the wind. Uh, we were with Peter and, and he said he's going to build his church. Well, after what I just saw on the cross, we better be, church could pop up anywhere. We better figure out where it pops up because if we're standing in the wrong place, it could pop up right where we are and we're dead. Right? It's a goofy analogy. But it almost should point us back to who, who is it? Who is he that he could command the winds and the waves? Who is he that he could uh, touch a, uh, or be just touched by the cloak of his garment by a woman and be instantly healed? Who is he that he would scorn all social culture and what was deemed proper and get down on the floor with a lady who was condemned to death to be stoned and took on all the guys in the room? I love that dude. If someone's building a church, I'm not interested. I don't care. If Christ is building a church, now I have to pay attention. There was a moment at Pete's Coffee by myself. Little assignment, seminary class uh, made, made us do. You had to go somewhere and sit by yourself and, and work on, on these things, and I, I got a little distracted. I was getting my ADHD on or whatever, I don't know, undiagnosed, don't label me. 
And I was having a moment, and we're about to get ready to do this whole church thing. And I remember telling God, if it all fails, if everybody leaves, if I end up poor, and all I have left is you, when this whole thing's over, I don't care. Set them up. Let's play. Let's go, God. Just me and you. Or maybe just you. Can I be along for the ride? If anybody asks you in the next few days, hey, what's God have to say at the big annual party thing? Tell him this. Tell him Scott said he's just been along for the ride. Because I know who I is. That's who we're following. He's the head pastor, amen? Yeah, we don't have that title for me anywhere in the church documents, anywhere. It's not in the bylaws, nowhere. There's a lead pastor, there's an executive pastor, associate pastor, worship pastor, children's pastor, whatever. There's all those kind of things. But I is the head. I will build my church. Um, I love what he says next. He says, will. I will build my church. Now, for those of you who like the game where you try to guess what the fill-ins are, I'm letting you win. You're going to get 100 today. 100%. Okay. Why do I like Will so much? Well, he bought me dinner a few times. No, no, no. Uh, why, do you, why do we like it that he said Will there? What's interesting about Will? It's, I, it's a statement. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it screams a little bit of verb, right? It's not actually a verb, but it's setting up. You know a verb's coming. When Will shows up, his buddy Verbos is coming, right? <laughs> He's Greek, the friend, Verbos. Um, what does Will imply other than a verb? Future. I love Will. Why? Because he's in my future. Will means there's future. It isn't Jesus doesn't say, I have or I am. He says, I will. What's that mean about the future of Jesus? He's going to be around. He's future active. That's a, another English phrase for you, right? Future active will, he says. I will. In the future, we're going to do some things. A verb is coming. Let's see what that is in a second. But before we move on to the verb, verse 17, I want you to notice something. He's asking questions. 13 through 17, he's asking questions. Hey, who do the people say? Who, what do you say? Right? In verse 17, he stops asking and he starts telling. I love that I knows how to ask questions. Jesus knows how to ask questions. And then at some point, he says, all right, you've had your turn to talk. Now daddy's talking. Now God's talking. He goes from asking to telling. Something changes drastically right there. He starts saying some different things, right? And then in verse 18, I love this. Because they're talking in the present all the way through verse 17. In verse 17, they go from, he goes from asking to telling. And then in verse 18, he goes from past and present 
I know I'm supposed to say Jesus, but I really feel like I should say future right now. (laughs) He moves to future. Verse 18, he says, hey, look, we're having great conversation now. You got the answer right. I'm giving you more information. Why? Why get the answers right? Why recognize who he is or have his title? Why have all of that? Because it's going to be awesome. What is future? What are we going to do? I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. I love that he implies future action. Is he still active for you? The answer is yes. Do you believe it is where you might have a different answer. We lose people, we lose things, we get hurt, we start to question. We need to remember I and will in those moments. And that God can go from present to future. And he can go from asking you to telling you. I want to be so far beyond my sensitive relationship with God that he doesn't have to sugarcoat come at me and ask me nice questions in the right phraseology so that I don't get triggered. I want my God to show up sometimes and just tell me stuff. Berglund, get up, get moving, and quit waiting for everybody. You're sitting on your can in Arkansas. You're upset about what's going on. Get up. I don't care if you can hear me. Get up and go back to school. Get finished. Do whatever it takes. Now, that's how he talks to me. (laughs) But he tends to throw in some dark language from time to time. He's not afraid of anything. I had a great moment with 21 signatures in her living room. And in the midst of talking with them and laughing and about the stuff that we were thinking about doing the whole thing, I had this weird moment where I just thought, I'm going to have to do a bunch of stuff that none of them are going to have to do. <laughs> and in that moment, I had to bank on will. What will God do? Will he be there? Will he bless me? Will he care? Will he let us win? Great question. You got to be able to ask uh, that question, right? And then, by the way, in verses 18 through 19, he makes us five promises. Five promises come out of that, right? You can look at those and find them on your own. That'll be a fun little Easter egg hunt. Ew, you referenced Easter. It's a pagan holiday. Get over it represents Jesus and the death on the cross and resurrection, your forgiveness of sin. Amen? Amen. This means he's active, folks. Will means he's active. We said this all the time when when we were first getting started, and for some reason we started saying other things because the more years you have, the more phrases you have, and the more things you start saying, right? But we used to say, and I know the McGrogans remember this, God's not done yet. It's really a sarcastic phrase. Because what is he never? He's never done. Right? So to say he's not done yet implies, well, at some point, he's going to be done. No. No. God's not done yet is a statement for us, for our own psyche, to get us beyond looking at our own navel and sitting on our cans. Get up, get moving. 
believe in him, believe in yourself, and believe that he wants to be with you in the future actively. Love that. Uh, thirdly, any guesses? Third, third fill-in? Build, oh, good guess. You guys are brilliant. All right, uh, second service is going to need some help from you guys. Uh, uh, build means he's active and good, right? Building is a good thing, right? What's the opposite of building? Tearing down, destroying, wreckage. I saw, I, I saw a movie, and the father and the daughter had sledgehammers, and they were destroying a kitchen. He was, he was doing demo work. I thought, oh, that looks like so much fun. takes almost no time to destroy something. It takes a ton of time to build something. You know, part of the re- reason we got started is we used to do tent at the street fair. First Wednesday of every month, May through September, I think. It would take us like 45 minutes to set up. And then at the end, we started timing it how fast we could get tore down and back into the truck. Six minutes, I think, was the record. Took us 45 minutes to set up. Took us six minutes to tear it down, right? What is this build thing that he promises? He says, well, first, he says, uh, bless you, Peter. Is that building? He's building Peter, isn't he? He says he can build his church. But he says, uh, bless you, Simon Barjana, right? Because this has not been, you did not reveal this to yourself, flesh and blood, but the Father revealed it to you. Oh, is revelation building? We got a God of revelation. He reveals things. Well, I wish he would reveal more stuff to me. We'll talk to him more. Tell him to start asking you questions. Tell him to start telling you things. Spend more time with him. But he does revelation. He does blessing. And then verse 19 says, I'm going to build my church, and then, and then not only am I going to build my church, what's he say? Ain't nobody stepping on my sandcastle. I like to think of the church of a sandcastle. You've seen these artists that do the sandcastles on the beach, and they're, they're better than real buildings. They're amazing. And I'm, I'm just petrified. Petros, Petra, Pet, made like a rock, stationary, can't move. Right? We get that? Because someone might go over and step on it. Some kid trying to be funny, a couple teenagers trying to be jerks, whatever. Or the tide'll come, or the wind'll blow, or any number of things, right? And, it's just, and it gets messed up. I love when the, when the sandcastle's there and the person who made it is still there. And then you can talk to them. How'd you do that? Where were you? How do how do you get to stay that long? Are you using hairspray or something? Are you cheating? Right? And part of what they're doing is they're protecting it from getting knocked down. No, we won't always have the church, folks. Eventually we're getting into heaven. We got the keys already, apparently. Now I'm not really sure what that means right now, but I know where we're going. At some point, the church is gone. Until it's gone, until he decides he's done with the church on earth, guess what's not going away? Church isn't going anywhere. Why? He says, I'm going to build it. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to give you keys. I'm going to bind things. I'm going to lose things. In fact, I'm going to let you bind things, and you 
do some loosing. You loosed anything lately? Um, Scott, I know that sounds corny, and I know you're trying to make a point. What's the point? Have you, have you prayed for God to open something up? Have you prayed for God to shut something down? Have you prayed to the I will build guy and said, hey, um, I understand your future and you're active, and I'm trying to engage in that. I need some blueprints. I need some walking instructions. I need a to-do list. I need a priority, whatever. And that get going on that. He wants some things bound, and he wants some things on the loose. Let's get going, huh? I mean, isn't he building Peter? I mean, he's building a church, but isn't he building Peter in this passage? He absolutely is. And if he's building a church, isn't he also building you? Church is where we're built. Church is where we're future active. Why? He deems it so. Of all the things he could have done and plans he could have made, he said, here's the one I want to do. I want to have a bunch of organizations with flawed people, really kind of ugly at times, but glorious at others. Some talents, some holes. It'll be awesome. They'll be forced to work together. We'll call it forced family fun time. No, that's too long. We'll call it church, but I'm going to build it. Did you say anything about tearing it down? Did you say anything about when it gets too big? I, I just can't stand it when people tell me, I was going to such and such a church and it was too big. I was thinking to myself, nah, you're too small. I never say that though. <laughs> right? But the, too big of a church, I don't get this. Me know a stand, right? Now, if you want more intimacy, more connection, you could do that at a big church. Here's a newsflash. There are people that have left here. <gasps> you would talk about that on our anniversary? Yes, there are people that have left here and felt like it was too big. It's not about small or big. It's about connection. And are we helping build people? See, building a church, that gets boring. Putting up walls and putting names and filing uh, bylaws with the state and da, 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 that gets boring super fast. I speak from experience, okay? But building people, that's the real church. Amen. We need to be about that. That's, that's what he said is the priority. That's the game plan. And then uh, fourthly, I have newsflash, right? My. It's his. Ownership. Possession. Uh, you know, he's, he uses that phrase all over the Bible. And I think we skip it. I think we're so used to the small words that we skip them. And, and part of my banner cry for 11 plus years has been, we must pay more attention 
to the small words. Don't ask me about transubstantiation until you can tell me the value of all, each, every, my, his, they, you, all of the small words are where we get the best meaning. And Jesus says many times, he says, anyone who leads one of these little ones of mine astray. Getting in trouble. He owns his church. I've had so many times people say, hey, um, I was thinking about going to your church. When's, when's your church going to, no, 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 not my church. I try to correct people every time they do it. Some of you, church people, attend here. And you say, when is the church or your church? And I say, our. No, 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 our church, right? Who's in charge here? Amen? Folks, if I'm in charge, you're all in trouble. It's going to come crashing down. We're, we're here because he deemed it so. We're here because he makes it work. It's his. He works with a bunch of different people. So one, don't come and tell me someone else shouldn't be here. In casual ways that welcome all to worship. See that little word in there, all? Why? Not mine. His. We... um. Uh, Jan and I and several others did student ministry for 20-something years plus, two decades, whatever. We did went on trips all the time. And for a while, there was this game all the students would play. If you could get, if you could initiate with another person in such a way to get them to say the word mine, then they had to drop down and give them 10. If you told them, right? If I'm talking to Jan, I'm going to say, hey, uh, Jan, whose purse is that? She would say, It's mine. I said, give me 10. And then I would drop down and give you 10. Or the, the one I liked is I would just walk up to somebody and I would grab something from them, like their pen. And she would say, hey, that's, that's mine. That's, oh, you got to give me 10. You got to give me 10. Gene owes me 10. Um, but it was this little game and it kind of developed to keep people from being selfish, being mine and being mindful of the selfishness thing that, we don't own all these stuff, or you don't need to, and you can let people have space in the whole thing. Not our church. I mean, it's my church in some ways, because I want to be part of it. In membership, in connectivity, in worship, in teaching, in learning, and all those things, it's my church, and it's your church too. Amen? In ownership and authority. There's only one name on the deed, right? Jesus is in charge. He bought it all. We've got to be careful when we start thinking the church is ours. We've got to be careful when we take credit. Mostly we must rejoice when we recognize how well things have gone and who gets credit. Right? Who gets credit here? The McGrogans. No, I mean, uh, Jesus. Right? 
The AV tech team, they get to, no, no. No. God gets credit. It's his. Amen? Last one. Now, this one's going to be really tough. I will build my model airplane. I'll build my church. Uh, the church is his project. You know, he had a project before the church. It was the cross. Nailed it. Oh, oh, oh. I'm so doing that second service. And we're going to see how it goes over, okay? Um, once he's done with the cross, he moves on to the next project. It's kind of interesting to think about why, why do you pick that project? Why do you pick church? It's a totally different thing than anything out there. We do business with a different commodity. We do business in a hostile environment. We do business in a culture at best doesn't understand us, at worst thinks we're crazy. And we smile and we love them. Why? Because them agreeing or cooperating or any of those things, not why we're here. We're here because Christ said, I will build my church. What is church? Church is a place where people gather. Amen? In fact, most places, they don't call it um, their church. Uh, you know, our congregation does this, right? Where's that word congregation come from? Like if you turned it into a verb, it's where we congregate, like where we gather together. For what? Well, we gather to worship. Uh, we gather for teaching. We have a Sunday school program. Um, no. We gather to build the church, to be the church. I was having a um, discussion. It was so awesome because I was having like these church undertones in a soccer environment. And I was using church reasoning without letting know the soccer people. There were some parents and some coaches and they were, let's call it having a discussion. Okay. <laughs> And the phrase, the club, came out. It's very similar to the phrase, the church, right? Insert church people and pastors in the parents and coaches, right? Well, you know, when the club, if the club hadn't, if the club would just, when is the club? And I, I, I let them have their speak. And then when they are done. I said, before we move forward, I want to make sure you understand something. You are the club. Coach, these people will interact with you more than anyone else in the club. For the club, to them, you are the club. I show up once in a while when it gets ugly. Other than that, 
you're the club. Oh, by the way, you, parents and kids, guess what? You're the ones on the team. You are the club. There's no difference. Folks, in a church, it's the same thing. It's a bunch of knuckleheads. Period. That's so disrespectful, Scott. No, it's fun. It's fun. We got a bunch of different positions that a bunch of different people occupy with a bunch of different responsibilities. Some people come in and they sit and that's, that's what they need to do. That's the most, that's the best, and it's great and it's glorious. And then we have other people who spend way too much time here. And that's their thing. There's some people who like get into English and Greek and Hebrew and they're nerds, but that's their thing. We're all just a bunch of sinners trying to make our way in an organization designed by God the Father as his project, his plan. What, to build the church? What is the church we just decided? It's us to build you. You come to church to be built. Although we come to worship, hey, there's one of the tools he uses to build you. Well, some people come just for the fellowship. Yes, and maybe that's what they need to be built up. Some people come in like skip half the worship and they just walk in for the teaching. Maybe that's what they need. Whatever it is, we're here building people. Why? Because he said he wanted that project and he will do it. Amen? It's really not fascinating that we're here. It's really not. It was prophesied. Except for the fact that nine out of 10 church plants fail. Nine out of 10 church plants fail. Nine guys and their wives if they're married, and their kids, and their money, and the people in their community try to do this, and it doesn't work. Why? Don't answer that question. No one's been able to answer that question. Why? Nobody knows. God wills it, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes people are ready. Sometimes they aren't. Sometimes the congregation doesn't buy in. Who knows? But when he builds his church... Better stay out of the way. Even better. Instead of worrying about if you're in the way, jump on the bandwagon. All right? We're not going to Vegas. We're staying right here. Amen? I had so many people tell me, what? Another church in the Tri-Valley? The Tri-Valley doesn't need another church. Pleasanton has enough churches already. Really? Can I get you to read the little thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, please? When's enough, folks? Never. God is not slow about keeping his promises, as some would count slowness. But he is, starts with P, ends with shins. He's patient, not wishing that any should perish. How many does he want? 
Oh, you got that from that other small word, any. Huh? Right? Bowman Rock Bible Church, we're Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling casual community, compelling ourselves and others. Are there any big fancy words in there? Not really. In casual ways that welcome how many? Be in a community that serves the greater community. Community, church, right? Everyone out there are future members of big church, not necessarily ours. And by the way, his church can never get too big, right? Because if it gets, even if we got everybody, he'd be like, oh, let's make more. People start having babies, right? Then the church gets bigger. Never done. Amen? Who is he to you? What's future look like you in church? It is his plan, his project, his will. You are his, and you're part of a glorious organization. And I don't mean Rock Bible Church. I mean the fellowship of believers. And that can never be taken from you. If you have never done that, if you never asked him to be part of the church, to be part of the future, to be his, do it today. Do it now. Amen? If you have, help us find more. Because there's a ton of people that could really use an introduction to the creator, the builder, the future. Amen. Father God, we thank you for uh, church. Um, and we thank you for people, um, but Lord, may we be reminded this weekend, today especially, that we are thankful for you. We love that you wanted a church in this town, and you made it happen, and you let us be involved in it, and you are still involved in it yourself. I pray, Lord, that you will be the head of the church that you would continue your project. And I beg you, Lord, to let me be involved. I pray that that's your prayer this morning. And maybe that's a simple phrase you say to God. Let me be involved. That's not a salvation status thing. That's just a, wherever you are. Let me be involved. It could be a salvation thing. But what will involvement look like for you, according to him? We thank you, Lord, for this first day of the 12th year and our ability to still receive an offering. I pray you would use it to build your church. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah says to the people, Do not weep, do not mourn, for today is holy. 
go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, for your God is holy. We are going to party tonight. You better be there. You don't have to, but you're going to miss out. May you be part of his church. Amen? Go with him.